November is here and can you hear the sweet siren call of summer? Have you been true to yourself and taken on any challenge that life might throw at you? Have you shouted into the void? You are on. Here at Tech Talks, we couldn't be happier or prouder to be joining forces with Ray-Ban for another summer, a firm supporter of South African music that is the very definition of cool. We are pleased to announce that at the end of November, we'll be teaming up with Ray-Ban to bring you our first live show. Keep your eyes on our socials to find out how you can join only the most authentic creators South Africa has to offer at our first live show. Ray-Ban is your reflection in the mirror of your truest self. It is the shade on a hot summer's day. It is your own focus through any spotlight that may be on you. Together, Tech Stocks and Ray-Ban are saying, you got a challenge for us? You are on. You can't predict the light, but with Tech Stocks and Ray-Ban, you are always ready to capture it by living each day in the moment. You are on. Define your style at superbulous.com. And welcome to Tex Talks. I am Tex, and today I am talking to a Sama-winning blues rock guitarist and singer who has captivated us for almost three decades with his extraordinary skills on electric, but also acoustic guitars. Affectionately called the South African Hendrix, this man has packed venues and dominated festival stages, and I've had the absolute honor of watching him perform on numerous occasions, and I cannot wait to catch one of his rip-roaring shows in the future. I am, of course, talking about Albert Frost. Albert, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm very good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I reckon I'm good, though, because... Yeah. I've moved back to Cape Town. so I saw that. Good move. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I love Joburg, yeah. right? But Cape Town, I'm born and bred here. You know, yes. it's my home. My parents are here. All my friends are here. Yes. And, uh, I mean, you know, similarly, you, uh, you've lived all over the show. Yes, but, but I'm also from Cape Town originally, so... Um, I, I spent a lot Born of time raised in, in Somerset West, right? Uh, yeah, and I've actually moved back to Somerset West after v- v- vouching to never <laughs> return to, to home ground. I've, we've been here about a year and a half now, and it's and it's amazing. But I mean, like, I also uh, I, I lived in Joburg for a couple of years, and I eventually realized that you know, I, it's it's nicer to be able to live in Cape Town and go to Joburg than being able to live in Joburg and go to Cape Town. That, that was my kind of like, okay, it's time to get the hell out of here. Kind of signified that. No, that's so smart. I felt exactly the same way. I was like, oh, Jobo can be my little holiday on the side. Exactly. You know? It's two hours away, for God's sakes. It's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about Somerset West, though, that resonates with you? Um, you know, my whole family comes from here. And I grew up, I, I started making music here. And it's it's a very unique place. You know, it's like you've, you've, you've got mountains and you've got, got the sea and everything in between. It's it's actually quite um, it's quite special and also I mean I've, I'm a dad so they've got great schools and mm-hmm. you know we're like five minutes from the sea five minutes from the mountain from five minutes from the river we've had like a, a lot of forest walks we do and it's it's just it's been so nice to just kind of get back and then also reconnect with all of my old schoolmates you know I've I've, I've in fact started a, a new band we called the the Toothless Pixies um, that we started in, in in standard eight 
And then I obviously joined the Blues Booze and went on my own mission. And now we've kind of got back to this place. After we've all kind of traveled the world and done our thing, we've all kind of gravitated back to the West. So there's a nice kind of, you know, I feel like I'm living again instead of chasing shows and, and, and stuff the whole time. I've never heard somebody make Somerset West sound so appealing. I'm like, well, I might just hit up Property 24 now, see, see what the deals are. No, it's actually, but like, like I said, I was so so kind of not not wanting to come back because you want to, you know, you want to like you want to move on and you want to progress. And like, I mean, the way I, I grew up, it was it was it wasn't the, the greatest kind of place to grow up when I was a kid, but in, in hindsight, it was it's very unique and special. So I'm quite quite stoked. You know, it's funny when I interviewed Franny, he said when he grew up in Belleville, all he wanted to do was just get the hell out of there. Yeah. But now being back there, he's like, this actually ain't so bad. But this is the thing, you know, that, 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 that's the, that resonance. I think it's, it's just, you kind of get all, uh, older, you let stuff go and you kind of appreciate where, where we've come from. Maybe that's kind of a good angle. Mm. But you mentioned that you're a dad now. Yes. So I can imagine that lockdown was great in terms of getting to spend time with your family because your daughter's quite young. Yeah, so I've got I've got three girls. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> my my naughty history cat catching up with me, but um, uh, um, Isla's just she, she's two and a half now, and then I've got two other daughters from a from a previous relationship, and they're eleven and twelve now. So there's this huge like dynamic in our house. Um, that's super interesting, and you know I'm I'm loving it. It's like kind of musician rock star at night and then you know mr mom by day and kind of managing stuff it's been it's been amazing i mean i'm sure that getting to spend that quality time with your daughter especially your your youngest yes. because you know normally you're all over the place and when you know they the kids are so young and it's like the formative years and it's the first steps or the first words and things like that so i can imagine it must be quite like special yeah, that's the cool thing. I mean, that, that is the cool thing about the lockdown is that you actually, and it's weird, like starting gigging again, it's, it's, it's harder and harder to, to go away from home, you know, and, and do stuff. I mean, it's, it's fine if I have to go out for an evening to Cape Town to go, or Stellenbosch, which is, which is close to do a show, but if I have to stay over or I'm, I do a little tour, you know, it's tricky. But I mean, also at the, at the same, at the same time, I think lockdown has, has taught people how to, how to live online. So, I mean, yeah. you know, between FaceTiming and, you know, just kind of um, you kind of make it work and it's a bit more kind of close you know, it makes it more close yeah like y you you jumped on the live stream bandwagon quite early yes. with tuesday blues days that's right yeah i think you performed from home for like 10 weeks i did straight. 10 weeks in a row and i nearly died it was so depressing. <laughs> <laughs> but then but then you like you had to stop because you cut the tendon off your finger and like couldn't play for a while. Yeah, and it's the weirdest thing because I actually um, the tenth show was was my last. Because I mean, what happens is like you 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 set up you you do the the show. I did it on a Tuesday and on Wednesday. I need to start start advertising for the next week, and it's you can't do the same mm -hmm. show. So like you had to like kind of reinvent, and eventually it, it drove me crazy because there's no there's very little gratification in it. You know, you can't you can't really get anything back because we were we were all we were totally on your own. It was it was very cuck. And then I actually announced before the tenth show, I was like, guys, I'm gonna take a break because my head is freaking out. And the next day, I, I cut my finger on, on a glass vase at, at the house. So very very strange turn of events. 
Oh my God. But I mean, that must have been so like, it must have been scary as well because I remember getting a press release about um, the whole thing. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you guys were doing a show about it as well. And like, did you ever have any doubts in your mind that, you know, maybe you wouldn't be able to play guitar again? Um, no, not really. But the doctor had the, 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 the surgeon after the surgery, he was like, well, look, you know, for six to eight weeks, you could like, you're in a cast, you can't move anything. Every time you kind of twitch the, if I twitch the thumb, it was like, you know, someone had taken tweezers and, and pulled out, you know, like a like a, a nerve. So um, for the first eight weeks, it was it was quite bad because I wasn't sure if I, if mm -hmm. I would be able to use my thumb. Um, you know, but I mean, I and then I went through about it's about f four months of of literally no no mobility. I couldn't do anything, and we had a little, little baby, so I couldn't like I couldn't change a bloody nappy or do the dishes, or you know, it was it was a fucking nightmare to be honest. And then um. You know that one of the cool things that I did realize is that um, firstly the support because I did like a like an Albert Frost recovery fund because I couldn't work obviously yeah um, and it was yeah. an enormous enormous feedback from that which is which is amazing and I also realized that you know I couldn't play guitar so I, I try to do other stuff like I, I could use my other fingers to play bass <laughs> stuff you know you kind of realize that you know you need your your your, your hands for for a skill but you you make music with your brain <laughs> it's like that's mm. that's the the um, it was quite a nice realization. It's it, it, it disassociated from, you know, I'd never taken a, such a long break from playing guitar, um, to realizing that you know it's just a, a, a way of getting out what you're dreaming. The the only way to 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 realize a dream in our reality is is with your hands. I mean, it's very hard mm. to 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 play guitar with your toes the end of the day so yeah <laughs> i mean you could try <laughs> you could try people but... people do amazing shit let's face it but you know like, like for me it was and I, when i spoke, spoke to the, the the surgeon he was amazing from at the hand clinic in cape town he was like and i just made him realize that you know i don't just want to be able to use my thumb again i need to it's like an it's like a it's like an athletic injury like you know if i i, I push guitar playing to the max and i need everything um available to do that so it was it was it was quite quite nerve wracking. So it took about six months for me to to get back to where I didn't have to, I wasn't thinking about pain or you know struggling to hold a plectrum and stuff. Um, a hell of a thing. <laughs> what was your first show back on guitar after your injury? The first show you won't believe this was with Loki Rothman, and it was for a uh, another stream that they that they recorded for Book Book Radio, <laughs> and it was atrocious. Oh, fuck, is that to use like a I had to like. But basically use like a clip on plectrum because I couldn't can't pinch. I mean I cut the tendon just below the, oh the right thumb. God. Like like mort off. And um you know so it was it was very tricky. And then the other day I saw it was online. I was like, fuck. <laughs> I was like, please oh, no. guys, it's the worst show I've ever done. I can't believe you <laughs> it's still online. Take it off right now. It's um it's it, it was very intense, very, very hard. Because I mean, you know, Loki Rothman also is he's like me. I mean it's like you know it's he's he maxes his his skill. And um, yeah, it was it was very hard, very hard. But I mean, it, it's it's it got better after that. And um, I'm almost, I'm pretty much on 99, which is great. I'm still still recovering here and there. So it's taken a long that time. That must have been, I mean, but it must have been incredible. Like you said, it was like one of the worst gigs ever. But it must have been incredible to be like, I'm back. I've yeah. got a guitar in my hand. Yeah, it was. But I mean, it, it, I think it was just so nerve-wracking. Uh, tickling, you know that it it, it 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 was kind of counter. Like I couldn't. It was also like sad because I couldn't do what I usually do, even though because it was the first time, you know. And something else happens when you walk onto a stage. <laughs> you have to 
you know, you have to like harden the fuck up and and really like step up and do your thing. And it's the first time I had I'd done that in a long time. And it was, you know, like obviously it all it is great, but it was just oh, it was very hard. <laughs> mm. Now I'm having a ball. Every time I hit the stage, now it's like woohoo! Woo-hoo! I'm free. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that's sort of like got put on ice was your album that you were working on that you're now gearing up to release sacred sound absolutely that you're working on with theo cross that you started working on back in 2019 yeah and then obviously lockdown and then the thing with your thumb happened like this album has been in the works now you will not believe <laughs> every single step there's been a boulder in my way and i've just climbed slowly but surely just climbed over all of them and um um, we literally signed off the the master recently, so yeah, we we we, we um, it's all kind of you know, it, 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 but suddenly it was done. It was the weirdest thing. Um, after all the time of like, you know, it's it's it's, it's like me and Theo also <laughs> we had the, the weirdest. I mean, he has a very weird work ethic. So you'd arrive and then he'll make coffee and we'll talk about golf for half an hour and then we'll like put the computer on and then we'll just sit and scratch our balls for another five minutes and make a joke or two and then it's like, mm, what should we do today? And then, and like half the time, you know, either there, there's someone, uh, you know, they've got like the whole house has got spade cock over there or fucking someone's got a call at my house or I have to go do something because Natasha has to do something else. So it was like, it was this really long process. But in that process, um, besides, I love Theo Cross. He's just um, one of my favorite people in the world now. He always has been. We've known him for years, but we've never seen my work together. And um, really, yeah. And at, at the, the nice thing is that that you could take the instead of like booking a studio for three weeks and then churning out an album, and we had all this time to kind of recheck stuff and try different things out. Although we didn't mess around too much, we we, we worked our asses off um, to get it done. But it was quite nice to let stuff sit a little bit, and you get get go back after like a couple of months, which is the way we worked. And then you kind of you just you know it's it's easier to 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 place it in in a space if you have a little bit of a objective kind of perspective check that time gives you mm. so what can we expect from sacred sound because okay. off air you told me that it's your best work to oh, date by far so, the best i mean day. now i'm just frothing for the album yeah okay so what happened is that and it's it's a <laughs> it's an interesting story is that we uh, planned the album i managed to get get um a a, a good Good, good backer that understood what I was trying to do, which is which is very important when you're making records. Um, and we started working, and I had, you know, I had, we 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 wrote a lot. Of, I, I used a lot of songwriters. I used um, Dave von Fear and wrote some of the stuff with me. Oh um, wow! Carstens, um, and me and Theo wrote some stuff together. I had some old stuff that I that I, you know, kind of brought to the table, and we, we kind of worked it together. And then, um, you know, I, I used so what, what happened before before COVID hit. Um, and the, the accident, whatever, is that we recorded three songs, and I had this kind of idea to do a uh, like a crossover. It's, it's like an African fuzz kind of vibe, you know. We, okay. It has an African flavor, and I wanted to really try and create something that, that's that's as uniquely South African as possible, you know, because there's such a mush of sound out there, and you know, I mean, as much as there's like the the, the Johnny Clegg kind of South African sound, which which I love, um, which mm-hmm. is a very kind of AC kind of sound. Um, I, I wanted to try to do something that that, had, that could kind of in, in envelope like really, you know, like a blues rock, but a nice, that kind of really fuzzy, really dirty, but beautiful at the same time kind of thing. 
And um, I wrote these three songs. We actually released two singles last year already, um, which is <laughs> you know just kind of to try and run up to to get it done. And um, um, and it's it's great. I managed to do that fusion with. Uh, there were two singles. One was called um, "I'm Still Here," which is more of a rock thing, but it had a nice little African line in it. And then there's one called Everlasting, which did quite well, um, which is very African-based and winds up in the big guitar solo with big rock kind of sound. And then we started working on, on the next couple of songs. And then Theat once he was like, listen, I can fucking see you're not really, not really into this, are you? And I was like, I'm, I'm not because I'm fucking angry at, at all this shit that's gone down with everything kind of like, you know, the album was delayed, the bloody injury, COVID, not being able to make mm. money, but not being able to play in front of people, which is something I need to do as a... It's my thing. I need to, you know, get get my. That's how I get my stuff out. And he was like, "Well, fuck it. Let's 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 do the angry stuff." And um, I went back to the studio and we started working on on the seven new tracks. And oh, it's just it's been the most liberating feeling for me to do something where we just like I was like, "Screw everybody. I'm not going to try and, and aim for something that's commercial or trying to get this idea across. I'm just going to make good old fucking rock and roll." Um, and we wound up doing that. You can hear that's the feedback from a couple of confidants that I kind of send stuff to you. As you know, you have to have your, you have to mount it off people. And of um, what's come back because I mean, I'm too close to it to really tell is that it's like it's 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 just a straightforward, honest rock album. It's not it's not convoluted. It's easy listening, um, but it kicks ass. There's some you know from from it it sounds there's a big audio slave sound. Um, oh. kind of like a sound gardeny that that kind of thing. So it really goes like rock like hard rock. Here and there, but there's definite pop and blues elements in it, which I still, which I love. Obviously, that's where I come from. So, um, so yeah, and we've got you know um, a whole span of singles that we are busy prepping. And I, I did a the one, I did two collabs on the album. One of is we got um, me and Arnu Carson are doing a song together. It's the first time in about 15 years that we're releasing something together, which I'm very, very proud of. Exciting. Um, and it's yeah, it's a it's a beaut. It's also the one that I do still kind of fuse a bit of African stuff, but it goes goes proper fuzz bonkers which is lovely <laughs> and then um i also got neil sanderlands you know the actor oh wow so yes. i'm uh, while, while i was working with you in the studio uh neil also did an album and then i did a session for him and we did a swap and i said look he has this idea to do a i've got this song we're not we're not entirely sure what to do over it it's it's, it's like um yeah the, the audio the, the sound is amazing but it needs yeah it, it, it didn't feel like it, it could do with like a verse chorus middle eight kind of um standard format so he he took a, a piece of Nietzsche this, um uh and and just read it out and it sounded it sounds amazing it came out so lucky oh and it's this whole whole different vibe you know um and yeah so there's definitely also like I, I, there's a very strong kind of artistic um side to it where we just shut everything out and went fuck what are we going to do that is just awesome you know, because there's also, I think that there's, I don't know, rock's changed a lot. You know, it's it's become this, I don't know, it's it's not, I miss the rawness of of rock and roll. You know, that even mm -hmm. even internationally, it's, it's hard to find something I feel that hasn't been over, like, produced or, you know, that doesn't, like, hit home or, or, or isn't fresh. I mean, it's all been done, but, I mean, there's there's an, an infinite amount of, of, of combinations. That's, that's what I love about music. So I think we, we kind of stumbled onto something really, really, really good here. And it's only because I'm, I've worked with a whole bunch of different people. Otherwise, it's also, if it's one person writing and recording everything, it sounds one-sided. 
where here it's, there's a definite dynamic and it's like a really so it's a slightly eclectic album because I've got the old stuff which is kind of like fluffy and nice and then this like really kind of Zeppelin-y kind of riff rock stuff and somehow it works together as a piece but I mean it's you know it's largely uh, thanks to Theo he's just an absolute genius it's nice to be able to let the reins go and trust someone to to produce yeah he really he really is just like a creative genius, like full on. So exactly what you said. Every single time we work, work on stuff, it just he keeps amazing me. It's just, it's amazing. It's, you know, and 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 kudos to him. I mean, that's why he is where he is because he is actually that good. It's just mind blowing. You know, I feel like the music that was born in lockdown and then sort of refined post hectic lockdown, yeah. and that's now being released. Yeah. That art is very raw, very real, and that's what it sounds like Sacred Sound is yeah. to me. That's that's what it sounds like you've just described, something that's very true to how you were feeling at the time. Precisely. And yeah. is, a, is a reflection of exactly what you were going through at the time as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, it's like I said, it, it's, it, it, it's nerve-wracking because it's, it's out of a comfort zone. And it's a gamble, and you know, I mean, I, not, not that I ever thought it wouldn't work. I mean, it's it's just, it's just very refreshing and, and nice to be able to 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 bring it back to. That's what artists do. You 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 um you know you kind of express yourself through your through your medium, and and mine is sound. Um, mm. yeah. So I'm I'm very proud and excited. Can't believe we did this. <laughs> You know, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine uh, last week and we were talking about um, how during lockdown, you know, musicians to earn some extra money on the side, you know, would do lessons and would give YouTube tutorials and things like that. And I know that you are a self-taught guitarist. Yeah, it, it, it would take me um, half an hour to show you everything I know, I swear to God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tried it was a disaster. But, but I mean, but I mean like like when you were teaching yourself how to how to play guitar, yes. if you were a kid now, all you could do is just go onto YouTube, pull up a few guitar tutorials. Any song you can think of. Yeah, exactly. But so I'm curious to know how you got into playing. Um, well, I'm, I'm a second generation musician. So my, my father was a, 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 a rock drummer in, in a band from when he was in school. And um, I kind of like, I've just, I've always loved music. We, we, we're a big music family. And I actually, because um, my dad's a drummer, I, I started playing when I was about 10 years old. I, I just picked up sticks and, and, and came upon a beat. And then I, I played drums like full on for a couple of years. Um, until um, I had to, we went standard six in Somerset West. And it's a funny story because I, I, I applied, you had to go do cadets in those days, which is an horrible thing to, to force kids to do. You know, kind of dress up in, in military uniform and, and march around the bloody school field. Can't. So, yeah. So the only way to avoid that was to join the school band. I was like, fuck, that's it. This is my chance. <laughs> I applied as a drummer and I couldn't get the job because Tim Rankin, who's a very famous session drummer. Uh. <laughs> got the job and and I literally just a couple of weeks before that my uncle um plays a little bit of guitar um and I, I went to a big um Eric Clapton phase and I, I played him the intro to Wonderful Tonight. And he was like, 
fuck, it's amazing. And he organized a guitar and amp for me in like, you know, in, in no time. And that was the one opening there. So I started playing guitar in, in the school band. And it kind of, I just uh, I have a knack for it. Um, the other thing that helped me, though, I must say, is because my dad wasn't a band and he was gigging every weekend. Um, I, I could actually sit with guitar players, like people that he, that they worked with, and go, how do you do that? Or, you know, show me. I picked up lots of tips from other people. So kind of like informal lessons in a way, but more more kind of practical <laughs> stuff. And for the rest, um, I just figured it out. You know, my, you know I, I use my ears. I always say it's better to play music with your ears rather than your eyes. Mm. But <laughs> mm. That's why I play blues, because fuck, it's simple. And <laughs> it's not... You know, and that I think that's one of the reasons why my my thing is it's 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 about a feeling of music more than, you know, like a approach to it. It's 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 an emotive um, form, and um, it's always worked for me like that. I read an interview that you did a while ago where you said that you've played over four thousand gigs, and I mean you've been in the game for like twenty six years, yeah. but to put things into perspective yes. for people listening, if you've played. <laughs> 4,000 gigs consecutively, a gig a day, you would perform for almost 11 years nonstop. Albert. Every day, and I think yeah, that that's that right. That yeah. really, really puts things into perspective. <laughs> yeah, that's but, the thing. But, but take me back to your grade 11 days when, you know, you were earning more money as a loser <laughs> than probably most of your teachers were making with no yes. disrespect to them. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Um, well, I mean, we were playing. That's how I cut my teeth, and that's that's how I mean. With with the, I I joined my dad's band, the Blues Brews, when I was um, you know in grade eleven. And um, I had to learn fifty songs in like three days because we used to do three forty-five minutes or four forty-five minute sets. That that was your standard gigging kind of protocol, right? And because um, the, the the previous guitarist uh, drank himself to death, so there was a gap in the band. You know, that's literally what happened. It's very sad. Um, and we used to play. We did four or five shows a week, and sometimes we would do two shows a day. And that's kind of how you know I, I got I cut my teeth. And um, obviously, being a kid playing with 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 guys that have been playing for twenty or thirty years already, um, it was a huge advantage. To kind of push things out for me and i mean it's also a very it's a very um controlled form of music we used to play at the green dolphin every sunday uh, in the oh, waterfront green dolphin. and we had to we were talking of a five-piece blues band you know with a horn a piano player you know the whole the whole trip and i could hear the guy three tables away ordering his dinner um yeah i, I shit you not and that that's like a huge lesson and i don't think you know people um often get these days. I mean, most guitarists, like, you know, volume equates awesomeness and that's all crap. You have to have your your your, your inner music thing must be strong. You must be able to play inward in a way. And, I mean, we, we did it for years. Fuck, we gigged a lot. Um, and festivals as well. We used to do, I used to do uh, car con cars or, or, I mean, the one car con car, we, I, I did like 15 shows in, in 10 years. I'd my, 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 my one record is Opie Copy. I think it was 1999 I did nine sets in those three days. Nine sets. Yeah, at Kopi. I think there's one guy with, that's, that's with, done more. And that's, yeah, done the 10 sets. So that's over three days. They're, they're nine shows, you know. <laughs> um, and that would happen at, at every festival because that's, you must remember like 15 years ago, 20 years ago, there, there weren't that many people around. It sounds weird and everything. So it used to be busy. I mean, I, I was in seven acts uh, at the same time. So things were busy. And you played a lot. It was amazing. 
what what do you remember from that opi copy? Do you just remember like rushing in between stages and then maybe going to the bar to get a couple of dope? <laughs> yeah, and some other things which I'm not going to share with you guys now <laughs> because <laughs> um, you know the, the the thing about about copy and it's always been the thing for, for me with copy. It's like I always have this like this this it's almost an unnerving sense of like is it just me or is this the most amazing thing in the whole world? Um, it is the and most amazing thing. It's in the so world. nice. I, I, I realized many years later that, you know, like Opikopi is actually made for me. <laughs> it's made for us. It's not made for. I mean, if 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 you're an American, you come over to to the to the music festival and it's fucking mind blowing. You still won't have that that feeling you get as a South African because it's made for us. You know, it's just mm. and it's always like it's always been my playground. Opikopi is my church. I've played every single one, so. It's also like a, a, a very special, very, very special music-loving community there. I didn't know that you had played every single Opie Copy. Yeah, 24 years in a row. <laughs> That's a lot of Copies. Man, they've got to bring that festival back. Oh, I'm, I, I, I cry every now and again. I miss it so much. It's like it's ludicrous. Yeah, But, um, you know, luckily we all know the right O's. You know, it's gonna, we, we're going to wind up making our own festival, I think, because I think Opie Copy has sadly has run its course. No, oh, Albert, don't say no, that. Oh, I know. It's terrible, Tekla. But, I mean, it's just, you know, it's been so hard to get it back to that place. Mm. Never say never. Yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking that, fuck, you know, we can make our own draw that might even be better. There's always that. Yeah, there's always that. Uh, you mentioned um, working with Anu Carstens and, you know, the two of you go way back. Yeah, we've done a shitload of shows um, together. Yeah, but also I want to talk about – the legendary Isle of Wight festival yes. that that you played. And I mean, for someone who's as big as a Hendrix fan oh, as does, you have, I mean, mm-hmm. getting to play there must have been like a mad milestone. No, it's crazy. We actually went to, the, there's a there's a Hendrix statue. We went to go see and I had this huge kind of moment. Because he's my guy, you know, he's my main man. Um, and it was just just amazing. And we had, we had these really cool shows there as well. And I saw amazing stuff, but it's just nice to... You know, it's nice to go to like an international festival where there are like 50,000 people that are just they're all in the same wavelength. And, you know, that whole spirit of Isle of Wight is still there. It's, it's, it was remarkable. How did you guys hook that up? Because you actually played that twice. Yes. Um, so um, Arnu and, and Mal met uh, John Giddings, who is a, a, a promoter. And he, in fact, owns um, Isle of Wight. And he did the third solo album with Arnu. They went and did the whole thing um, in England. So it was basically through them. We we did it. We opened for Ronan Keating in Mossel Bay. Fuck, this is Ronan like, this, Keating. Yeah. Woohoo! Our moment. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> and and he was booking for them, and he saw us there, and he was just like, "Fuck it, that's it." So he we and he kind of threw his weight behind um, um, Arnu lot, you know. But I was pretty much in the mix there for the first couple of trips over. Um, and yeah, it's just yeah, just mind blowing, <laughs> mind blowing. I mean, you might have opened for Ronan Keaton, but you also opened for the Rolling Stones. Yes. Uh, in Spain, I mean, like, who gets to witness rock and roll legends in the flesh and then open <laughs> for them? Like, like, how does that happen? Um. Also, it was one of those weird things. Also, through John, because John, um, he, he books for the Stones and um, he does stuff like, um. Genesis and U2 <laughs> this is a very big promoter anyway and and they had a um, 
they booked the, the Stones tour and the main support act for the gig in, in San Sebastian um, cancelled. And they phoned us up. I'll never forget it. I was on my way to, uh, to claim by our, our family's holiday house there on the Wednesday. And I don't know if I was just like, dude, what are you doing on Saturday? And I was like, oh, I don't know. It's like, do you want to go play with the Rolling Stones in Spain? I was just stopped the car, turned around and went home. And I'm like, okay, fuck, what do we have to do? What do you need? Let's do it. And we did, it was crazy because we were like a seven-piece band. And, um, you know, like, fuck, if I can tell you how many planes we hopped and slept in, in, in airport lounges and trains and buses and shit. I mean, there were times where I had like, I, if, if, if I hadn't had my hand in the door of the, <laughs> of, 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 of the train, we would have missed the gig. It was, it was completely oh bizarre. God. We made it and it was just fucking mind blowing. I mean, it's also one of those, it's, it's so, if you're in that position where you, where it gets, something gets thrown on you so quickly and it's like, it was like, if, if you told me, like, you're going to meet Santa Claus on Saturday, you know, it, it, it's such a bizarre thought. Um, that you kind of like, it, it just washes through you. And afterwards you kind of go, fuck, that was cool. Or, wow. Or man, I wish I'd done that. Or wow, that whole thing. But it was just like this whole surreal experience. We, we, we met the guys um, and, you know, you could see firsthand how, how they operated. It was just mind blowing. These like really cool cats, all these very tiny British O's, you know. Um, <laughs> very, very strange. Very, 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 very strange. Um, and just, you know, and a couple of nice compliments along the way as well from them, which is even even better. <laughs> I mean, you know, if 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 they're if uh, I, I reminded Mick Jagger of, of Brian um, Brian Jones, that's I don't know if there's a bigger what? bigger compliment in the world than that. What? Yeah, which is amazing. I'd put that on my tombstone. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, and yeah, it was just like I don't know. It's, like I said, it was like it, it was like a flash. It just you know, it's just so surreal. Surreal is the right word. But I feel like you've just had one crazy high-profile rock and roll encounter after the other because <laughs> now the story that I love is when. You and Sculpture Bear, also hands down one of the best bassists in the country. Yes. The two of you arrived in Tilbach one day and you found out that there was a New York film crew shooting the Ginger Baker documentary. Like yes. Ginger Baker, the Ginger the Baker. The Ginger Baker. And then you somehow got to jam with him. Yeah. Explain to me, explain to me how this happened. Okay, also like the same thing. It just happened in a flash. I, 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 um, I in fact, stayed in, in Tilburg on a farm for about 10 years before I moved back to Somerset West. And um, I kind of just got there and an old friend of mine, Chris Greff, stays there as well. And he was like obviously in cahoots with this, oh, okay. you know, he was kind of like the production guy in, in, on, on, on the ground in Tilburg because um, Ginger Bake had a at a, a, a polo field. He, he's, a, he's a polo player. He's like a, a, a polo fanatic. So he had his like little, uh, little homestead there and did his thing. And part of the deal, because he's so full of shit. So, I mean, the, poor, the poor director was like, he literally nearly cracked. Um, but part of the, the, the one part of his deal with paying him obviously a huge advance for doing the movie was to play with some local musicians. And then um, obviously re- relay that to Chris. And then Chris phoned me up and I, I said, called, fuck, you don't believe this, but we can go and jam with Gingerbag, which is amazing because but he was my father's favorite drummer. You know, we, we were like, oh, wow. so there's this huge kind of weird so thing. special. And it was so cuck. I went to his house what? and he didn't even greet me. And I said to him, oh, fuck, he's my hero. He's like, you know, I, 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 I rate him beyond a Bonham or, or um, a Mitch Mitchell who's one of my favorite other drummers. And I said to him, Mr. Baker, it's, it's an honor to meet you. And he just looked up at me like he was smelling a fart and then looked down again and mumbled something to, to the guy next to him. 
And um, it was very weird. He, he kind of refused to jam. So what we did is me and Scott just went into in, into his room and we kind of like <laughs> set our stuff up and started like kind of playing along. And eventually, <laughs> eventually he like sauntered into it. Like that and sat down um, behind this kit and just, fuck, is like an octopus. It was just, just mind-blowing. I mean, he was like, he was, he was so full of shit. He, he didn't have his meds that day. Like, true story. So he was okay. particularly um, like that bitter English um, <laughs> kind of vibe. Gentleman. I mean, listen, yeah. listen. I've seen the documentary. <laughs> He's, He's a hectic, proper, yeah. I know what word you want to use, and we can totally use it on the show if you want to. Yeah. Rhymes with stunt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or rhymes with oos. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Um but I mean, it was, it was, so he, he came into the room and, and he started kind of like, like flitting around, but obviously he was like, he wasn't into it. So he was, he was fucking with us and, um, and we were like, okay, cool. And it was about, it wasn't even five minutes. It was bizarre. And he was like, oh, fuck, he got off because he couldn't breathe. And he was like, Urgh. and he got his nebulizer. Urgh. And his one comment was, well, you could have gotten a better guitar player. And I was like, fuck you guy. I'm not Eric Clapton. Okay. <laughs> You're very, very <laughs> spoiled, spoiled brat. Um, which was hilarious, but I mean, it was amazing at the same time. It's like, I, it's just again, super surreal moment. Yeah. It sounds like something out of like a sci-fi movie. <laughs> a really bad one. Because obviously, it's much worse when you're there. It's, it's not at all as glamorous as people would have thought. But it did happen, and it's a huge tick. I mean, yeah, it's it's really is is amazing. It was amazing. You know, you mentioned that you lived on a farm in Tilbach for ten years, and. You know, those were the years where you decided to step back from the scene and all the sex and the drugs and the rock and roll and everything that comes with that and, yes. and you know, you know, take a step back and just find yourself again. Yeah. But um, what I what I was very uh, excited, well, excited, interested to learn was that you you have a name, you have an alter ego <laughs> who, yes. who loves the jaw and apparently his name is that Jared. guy. His name is Harry Fries. <laughs> so yep. I'm I'm curious now, what was he like, and and when last did he make an appearance? Do we even want him to make an no, appearance? No, no, no. He's he's far gone, far gone. So 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 Harry used to be. He, he was like he would break stuff and 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 you know sleep with your wife and um, oh. You know, like just generally make mayhem and fucking crash cars and um, do stupid stuff, and um, yeah, he's he's not he's not around anymore. Although I, I did I stopped drinking for ten years because because it just it got completely out of control, and then I moved to Tilbach and it literally cleaned my head out. It was great. It was the, one of the coolest things I've ever done, is to get to that space. Um, we can actually just learn to to actually smoke you. <laughs> you know, mm. and not because I mean, it, it's I'm a, a, a largely a, a product of my environment. You know, it wasn't like I kind of it, this all happened. Um, it wasn't maybe something I would have just you know I didn't wake up and go, fuck it, I'm going to be the great, best guitar player in the whole world. You know, it just it it just it kind of happened that way. And it, with all the stuff and the success after that, and um, it it started going to my head. I mean, through the whole process, I always say to people, I, I spent 15 years shoving my head up my ass and then 10 years pulling it out of my ass again <laughs> to get a place where I'm actually, you know, I, 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 I like who I am. I appreciate what I've done. I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative that I'm actually alive because in that Harry Fries um, vibe, you know, it's, it should have gone wrong so many times. Um, I nearly did. And uh, to get to a place now where I can, I've, I started drinking about a year ago 
And it's nice. I can sit at, at home with my wife and have a glass of wine with a meal. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. go to the bottle store at nine in the morning and get a bottle of tequila and at, at five past nine, <laughs> you know, that, that vibe. So um, and it was just very necessary. And to come out to a place where it's also very hard, I think, as an artist to kind of um, – to kind of have a grasp on on all the facets of this industry when when you're trying to do something, you know, I think it's very it's much easier abroad when you have such a good there's such a big support system and a big infrastructure for for um, for music and arts and stuff. So, you know, someone sees you and you, you everything else is taken care of. You do your thing. Whereas in South Africa, you have to wear seven caps every day um, to run your stuff because no one else is going to do it mm-hmm. for you. And to get a place now where I'm, I really feel like you know I'm like in charge. I can see the wood for the trees finally and kind of really take reins and know I'm doing it with a with a clear head and not you know just trying to hunt skirts or, or the next drink or you know the next whatever um which is kind of which is which is very nice it's nice to get to that place where it's like yeah I kind of feel like you know, you're kind of in, in control more it's been good yeah I mean I can imagine you know 10, 10 years with your head up your ass. And well, no, what did you say? 15 years with your head up your ass and then 10 years trying to take it Sorry out. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure that standing, having a look at everything that went down, wow. you know, you, you, you can do so with a, you're like, I know both sides of the coin now. Yeah, yeah, kind of, you know. And, yeah. and it's like, the other thing as well is like, uh, it took a long time to realize that what I do is just music, you know. I'm, I'm not um, r- running a country or, you know, trying to go to Mars or it's just, you're actually just doing music. And then once you realize that's what you're doing, um, it's like a lot of things change, you know. You realize that it's, it's, it's such a fickle thing and it, and it doesn't mean as much to people as it does to you. You know, so you get less serious about what you do, and and then that that brings a, a whole new set of challenges. So it's very hard to, and that's something we did with the album with Sacred Sound is is to you now really try and and put proper meaning into into what we're doing instead of just you know having this shallow. There, there has to be an emotion attached, and something you have to. It's very hard to put a meaning of to music, um, and that's just a great kind of run up to that, I guess. Yeah, mm. kind of like prepped. What what would you say to your daughters if any one of them came to you and said, Daddy, I want to be in the music industry? Um, I'll just ignore them. That's all I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so I see your lips move, but all I hear is blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> it's like that meme of the, of, the, of the guy that says he wants to grow up. The kid wants to grow up and be a musician. And his mom's like, you have to do one. And, <laughs> you can't do both. You have, to, you have to choose one. You can either grow up or be a musician. <laughs> so I've actually, because my my, uh, my eldest Bella, she loves to play guitar and she sings and um, she's quite musical. And I said to her, look, it's fine if you want to do that, but not without a degree. That's the one thing. You have to study to, you know, to have something to, you know, even if in, in, in music now, so you can at least teach something or we can kind of get a post at a bloody university or something else instead of <laughs> taking the hard road your dad, your dad kind of did, you know. Um, but yeah, it's very hard to to kind of explain to them that it's that it's work. Um, in fact, it's hard to explain to my wife sometimes as well. Um, because it's, you know, it's it's obviously it's it's a social environment that you work in. And um, they've seen me enough live to also to also see what it's about and to realize that it's actually fucking hard, hard work. And it's, you know, it's it's very volatile. There's no, I can't budget any month for anything because it's it doesn't work like that. You know, so it's, um, it's very, 
it's it's a hard it's a hard industry you have to be tough as fucking nails as you know but a lot of people don't but you have to be you have to be really really tough to to make it through this i like what you said about yeah you know follow your dreams you know become a musician but have a degree or something to fall back on i think that that's very important i think that anybody and it's sad because in this country yeah. you know we don't have infrastructures where becoming a full-time musician is a viable option yeah there's no you know, it's it's not listed as a it's it's not a, a job in our country um yeah which is quite sad and also there, there's no like re- regulation around stuff like I'm, I'm i obviously do lots of session stuff and i mean i'm, I'm being paid the same rate to go do a three-hour session playing guitar on someone's album that I was paid in 1998. Um, you know, it doesn't, you know, that's, it's, it's a really, <laughs> it's really, can be really shitty. It's tricky. Mm. So we've got the new album that we can look forward to. Yes. But apart from that, are you getting back on the road to tour the album? I mean, things are slowly but surely starting to open up with, lockdown hopefully fingers crossed Cyril will ease it again yes um but what is your plan uh to to promo sacred sound well um the album's gonna come out now and then it basically look essentially um the the first six months after an album is released at least in my book it's it's the launch you know um yeah (laughs) kind of it's you should always do these big parties where you kind of play the whole the whole the whole album and all that kind of stuff I mean it's you know, it's 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 too little to do it like that. So you kind of you kind of hook it for as long as you can. So what I'm doing now is, I mean, that's one of the, the things about about the lockdown that was so so hard is not being able to gig. Is that mm. um, you know myself and Skulk we were talking about earlier. We, we were very very tight, and he also stays in some way. So we kind of keep our heads slacker by having chats, and you know, just so unnerving to not to have that whole playground removed. You know, your whole working kind of um, platform. And then also the meaning of what you do was also robbed from us. So it's like this real dummy, double whammy. So what I'm doing now is I'm not too precious about gigs and we're booking as much as we can. I mean, I'm doing a, a span. I've been doing a whole, a whole bunch of shows over December and stuff. But I, I don't know if it's going get, to get, um, get pushed out again. I mean, I've, I'm doing shows now that, that, have been, that have been pushed out five times before. We kind of like, <laughs> it's like oh, fuck. Oh, well, um, Sorrel's uh, spoken, so um, we can't do much. So this essentially, it's try try and gig as much as possible. Try and you know, and also the other thing that's changed is, is it doesn't matter how big or how small the gigs are. It's it's always it's as important in a way. It's quite it's quite interesting because obviously we we can't play to as many people as we used to. So you you, yeah. you kind of maximize what you can with with thirty people. I, I, I did a show in Mosul the other day um, for for five people, and it was very very hard to play in a room to five people. But you know what? It was like. It was like us playing in front of five thousand people because that's how you have to mm. have to approach it. So mm. that's so so going ahead, definitely getting back into the live thing because I think also people re uh, appreciate um, good musicians uh, or if they see something good, which has always been lacking kind of in 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 um, in, in South Africa at least. You know, abroad I think people get if you're really good, you kind of you, you get what you deserve. But over here, if you're really shit but you're very ambitious and you have money, then you can do better than any of the most talented musicians around so it's it's quite a quite a tricky thing so it has kind of leveled out and people do i think realize now what they're getting and i'm 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 seeing it at shows already appreciation and it's it's it goes both ways it's from my side as well it's like fuck you know it's what i do is amazing um how how, Mm. how lucky am i to be able to just do this 
so yeah, so that's that's the thing. And also, we're planning to to do quite a nice splash um, abroad for this album as well. So I'm hoping to to do some stuff probably in the middle of next year, kind of get get out and and tour abroad. Yeah, that's the plan. Sounds super busy. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds super exciting and fingers crossed nothing major fucks out with this virus so that we can all just get back to normal. I know, just get facts for fuck's sakes. Don't worry, you'll just feel a small prick, as they say in the classics. (laughs) (laughs) Like my ex. (laughs) Oh, nice. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Albert, I just wanted to say thank you very much (laughs) for joining me on Text Talks. Thank you. It's been an honor to talk about your illustrious career, and I cannot wait to see what's on the cards for you. Because I know you always got something up your sleeve, so it's fun. Always pushing. (laughs) Thanks thanks so much. It was really fun. Thank you. How's about a faith? How about a talk? How about a kick in the nick of time? It's just a walk in the park. Make it up as you go I think I know what you're doing Yeah, the world just gotta go along The storms are born for breaking And all I need's the sweetest you Open up, I'm fireproof Shield you from the harmful ways All I need is the sweetest you Open up, I'm fireproof joining us for another episode of text talks shout out to albert frost for joining me in studio text talks is coming to you from the amazing kaya creative studios at neighborhood in beautiful cape town south africa shout out to tom's the only music store for keeping us connected from me your host text 
my producers, Jonathan Ings and Matt Lewitz, and our researcher, Elle Clapper. Catch you on the flip side. <laughs>